Meet the new boss, but it is not the same as the old boss. Company culture has given way to processes. Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we are giving you the tools to build a stronger business than ever before. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Natasha Ganim, as she shares the secrets to building a stronger business through stronger leadership and stronger processes. And with that, I will turn it over to our hosts, Josh Melton and Chad Brown. What is up, Stronger Business community? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, co-host Chad Brown. My awesome co-host, Josh Melton, is with me here with an amazing guest we have a lot of history with. She's directly and indirectly been making us stronger for several years now. Welcome back to the podcast, Natasha. Oh, thank you for having me back. How are you today? I'm doing good. We're in the middle of February. I can't believe so much time has already passed since the new year. I know. New Year's come and gone. We're growing our businesses. We're crushing our goals. We're all trying to figure out how to get stronger. It's kind of a mess. It's kind of awesome. Does everybody feel that way or is it just me? We're this much closer to uh, the next Stronger Business Summit. So I'm happy about that. That's good. We're going to be releasing a date soon. We're going to be releasing keynote speaker soon. A lot of excitement. Got a lot of news there. coming up. It sounds like. Yeah, but hey, before we get there, we got to figure out how to get stronger now. That's right. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk to you about how to build stronger leaders, how to build stronger processes, how to figure out how we don't have to do everything ourselves, and we build teams that are able to handle these these different components of our business and that mid level management to be able to grow and scale, and. That's awesome because that's something I know nothing about. Yeah. And then there was a collective amen from everybody downstairs when you said that just then. This is a live podcast now. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Natasha Gann, Line Leadership. We've done a lot of work together. Yep. Like yep. All kinds of cool stuff. You've been on the podcast before. We had a like a personality reveal party one time on the podcast. You told me and Chad everything that was broken about us. That was amazing. You cried for weeks. It was yeah, great. Yeah, seriously. I still tear up sometimes because of that. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you... Stronger. Boom. Oh my gosh, yeah. you brought it, baby. Uh, you were on the podcast. You were a speaker at the summit. Like, you've been part of this stronger business idea. I mean, the whole time from she the very start. Coached us, connected us with coaches that we're still working with now. Yeah. She fired awesome. me, I think, as a coach. She coached me one time. Uh, you and she told Josh? me to do something. And she's like, You can't quit. Like, you don't know how to quit. Mm-hmm. And then she just quit. So it was amazing. She showed me how. It was a good coach, a good leader gives you the right example. Lead by example. I quit, by the way. I did. It took me a while. It is just fun to watch you guys and watch you grow. Uh, I love everything about the new website, the new rebrand, the the merger of the podcast into the Stronger Business Summit itself makes so much sense. All the accountability groups that you guys are hosting and the fun things you're doing. I love watching it as an objective third-party observer and the fact that you guys give me any credit for having any finger in it or helping it in any way makes me um, joyful, makes me happy. That's yeah. why I do the work I do is because I like watching companies and people be incredibly successful and being able to point at them and say, ha, behind the scenes, I did something. Oh, yeah, you're like, oh, my gosh, you guys are all just looking at the big and powerful eyes, but I know what it looks like behind the curtain. That little scrawny dude over there behind the curtain. I got a few big and she powerful. points at me like, I don't have anything to do with that. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he you know, got yeah. here all on his own. That mess, man, I think it was oh, yeah, that's the, awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, but it's Chad, it brings that up as far as in, you know, when you are growing a company and you're trying to make your business stronger, there is there's these pieces, um, I call them like the, the plateau moments, so you kind of get as far as you can get kind of on your own or what your current level of knowledge is. 
And then there comes this moments where you got to start like really furthering your team. And I think it's a challenge. You specialize in this. I think it's a challenge for any business or entrepreneur, but especially a founder, right? So you start a company and you build it, you start building your, your team and uh, you got, you start building some, what you think is, all right, these are my, my go-to people, my leaders. And at a certain point in time, you're like, now those leaders have to like develop other leaders and you have people that work for your company. Maybe you don't even know them or you don't work directly with them. And so this is like the messy middle of business development. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do I get that person to teach that person how they need to do their job? And it's kind of like getting it out of Chad's head, right? This is how my business should run. Or in my head, this is how I want the business to run. That is, in my opinion, one of the hardest things in business. Not teaching them necessarily what to do, but teaching people how to think through things. Because you can't prepare somebody for every potential situation. Mm-hmm. So we're going to shut up now. You're going to fix our problems for so us. So what now? So all what of now? our problems, which we expect at the end of the podcast episode, we have all the answers and they're already implemented. Because Chad's good with implementation. Speed of implementation is very uh, important. I, mean, I feel like we can fix this in an hour. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And you we're know, not going to pay you for it. We're just, <laughs> this is all free. Thank you. Of course. No pressure. So <laughs> listen, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to scale a company first, you have to start and you do, you get your first layer of people in place, um, you know, and that's always dicey in and of itself. Some people are going to work out and some people aren't going to work out and you're going to learn how to hire and hire right and onboard and onboard right. And sometimes we're going to learn how to do it the wrong way but it just makes you stronger. So once you get your first layer of managers in place, it's really comforting. Um, Because usually if you think about the image of a rubber band, like stretching, 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 that's how it starts when you start a company. And you said plateau, but it's really the rubber band just coming back to its normal position. And you need that rest before you stretch it again. Because if you just keep stretching, everything's going to break. So if you get that first layer of management set and everything's running really smoothly, allowing it to come back and just be for a little while is a good thing. But if you're ready to take that second stretch of the rubber band, you want to check with your people first. If they're going to be responsible for developing another generation of leaders, you need to talk to them about it before you tell them they're going to do it. You need to make sure that they're comfortable doing it. And if they're not, help them become more comfortable in doing it. And usually what that means is you have to invest in training. Because while some people, let me rephrase, most people think that to be a great manager, you just have to be a decent person and it's going to work out. That is only true for a certain amount of time. When you start having multiple levels of management, you really need to invest in formal management training. So what you're saying that a good manager, that's not just that's not like a personality trait. That's a skill set. That's right. And good man you're taught to be a good manager. Some people are born with charismatic personalities and they're born to be more extroverted or relational than other people. And that can certainly help with that particular type of management style. But there are a lot of introverts out there as well who are great managers because, you know, people gravitate to different types of personalities. But whatever the case may be, usually a founder owner of a company specifically is a terrible example of a good leader and manager because they're entrepreneurially minded and they're always going to be pulling the rubber band. They're always going to be pulling the rubber band. But a good manager is someone who's trained and steady and consistent and they know exactly what to focus on to make sure learning takes place and people learn how to think instead of learning how to ask what to do next. So I, I ain't got time for all that crap, Natasha. That, so, that sounds like slow. Letting the rubber band come back? What are you talking about? So if, if I understand you correctly, you can't pull the rubber band and expect the tension and the pressure to build good managers. you got to actually invest in some training and coaching and skills that you teach these managers. I think that's probably my problem is I, I just like throw people into the fire and the rubber band is stretched so tight. I'm like, 
we got to figure it out because here we are with all the pressure and the stress and absolutely no training or coaching or teaching and well, we'll learn uh, trial by fire, which so is let me throw something in. Probably you, why I, I, I think haven't been successful in that process because you didn't get taught the things. That's how I learned. That's exactly right. Like so you didn't get taught from the standpoint of like there being someone there that says, "Let me, Chad, let me take you through the next steps." You built the thing. Like you had to get in and get gritty and figure a lot of the stuff out of your by yourself. And you you might have went to get your own training, right? Like hey, let me go read a book or let me hire a coach. But there wasn't somebody in your organization that set you down and taught you the things because you had to do it your own. You were the founder. You were the owner. And so we don't know how to do that. Like you know, if somebody grows up without a dad. Like they don't, they didn't, they didn't have a dad, a dad to model being a dad for them. So like, how are they supposed to just know? Like they, they got to figure it out differently, right? So I know for me, that's I really struggle with this. And you said something I don't, I don't think we were recording yet, but about people who, from a leadership perspective, they are too controlling. They don't want to let go of the things, or they're like, hey, this is how we do every single thing. This is how we do it every single way, and they expect people, whether they're talented in that realm or not, to do it exactly the same way as they did it. Mm-hmm. And so they struggle to grow a team because they have to find the perfect little mini me's mm-hmm. to do it and then there's people that are you know your first day on the job they're like I, I legitimately i had this conversation with somebody this is not an exaggeration this is not just dramatic appeal i, I these are the words that i used <laughs> i had somebody coming into a management level this shows you how just brilliant and wise i am this is why the listeners should continue to listen to the podcast especially when i'm talking i said do you want me to sit in the, in the passenger seat and ride with you for a while and guide you on this journey of driving the company or do you want me just to hand you the keys and they said i just rather you hand me the keys i said peace <laughs> like deuces you know i'm out and i don't Call know if you need me if yeah i mean in all seriousness and mm-hmm. natasha even when i start people in their jobs and their roles i got people that work with me sitting in the room here and they're like please take him back take him back coach him again natasha he needs help um my tendency would be that secondary thing of where i give people like yeah, go like roll with it. Like I don't want to tell you exactly how I do it because maybe that's not the 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 armor that you need to wear to win in your job. And so here's the objective, and just roll with it, and let me know when you need help. And then I'm surprised when people don't ask me for help and they struggle in their jobs. And I'm like, I told you to ask me. You know what's up? So Chad would be more on that front end of it. He's like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're doing it. He would he would tend to lean more that way, and I lean the other way of mm-hmm. being two hands off, two hands on initially, two hands off. Or Chad sends him a 17 page email. And they quit before they even finished reading it. That's well, a true story, too. It, it Lots of true stories like, today. True story. I mean, the blend of you two might be like the perfect happiness spot for people who want to work for It's somebody. actually not. It's the worst place ever. Our people are so mistreated and so desperate to That's get another job. True. Right, guys? Yeah. That's not true. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's a continuum of, you know, leaders and managers and owners of companies who want to hang on to the way that they've always done things because they know it works. And they want things done a particular way and they want to prescribe what that is and they're looking for minions to do it. And a lot of times those can be very successful companies, no doubt. But it doesn't make for a place where people can exert their own autonomy or creativity. And most of the time when you're dealing with um, workers, they they want a, a level of responsibility that includes those sorts of things. On the flip side, you know, saying here are the keys, I'll see you later. We forget, you know, as owners of companies that there is always going to be we think we're everyone's buddy. And we forget that there's a power imbalance, that we are the ones who are responsible for paying them or doing performance reviews. They remember. And so they don't want to ask for help. And they don't want to, you know, come to us and say, hey, I'm not sure how to do this, or I think I'm failing here. Can you step in to the passenger seat again? 
because of that power imbalance that we've completely forgotten about. So in a lot of companies, when you hear silence from managers or silence from your leadership team, and the best thing you can do is to look at them and say, okay, what question do I need to be asking that I haven't asked yet? Or you need to be listening for the silence and be like, everyone's being really quiet. Nobody seems to need my help. Um, is that legit or are you scared to ask for it? That's interesting there because I am very much of the mindset of my door's open, my phone's on, call me if you need. I don't want to micromanage. Like I'm not the micromanager. I'm here if you need me. But then I get really frustrated because they never ask any questions and yeah. things aren't done or it's done wrong. I'm like, why didn't you ask me? Mm-hmm. Yes. So that speaks a little bit to that side of maybe a disconnect between us as owners versus the leaders or the the layers we're trying to develop under us. And they're not, we don't get asked the questions and get frustrated. We don't get asked the questions, but then also get frustrated when things aren't done correctly. And I know for me, I'm like, you don't have to do it my way. But if you do it, if you do it your own way and something gets screwed up, then you definitely got to do it my way. Yeah. So I think this is kind of interesting what you're saying there too. And I'm going to ask you a question, Chad, because I think, or I'm going to say something about you. I believe to be true. And I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> All right. That's much more fun that way anyway. Because then I'm like, no, nah, I'm still right. Pretty so sure. You're going to accuse me of something and see if I can defend myself. Well, that's, I'm not really going to accuse you of it because it's going to be blatantly <laughs> obviously and true. You should just admit it. <laughs> I know that you got the cool hair, you know? And so, like, you kind of got the Donald Have Trump. You seen my cool jacket? Donald Trump. Yeah, cool. he's, he's trying to be me. Uh, that's why I, I couldn't even wear Adidas today because he's dressed. He's got a Nike jacket. I'm like the Nike on. version. I'm like the colorful. You're like the black Adidas guy. I'm like the colorful. Like sporty Nike guy. He's like an accountant who thinks he's an athlete because he can play ping pong. That's I'm, really what it I actually am going for like more of the coach look, not the athlete. Coach look. Like the coach. Change, it's about yeah. time you changed your look. Uh, Chad, even though he's got Donald Trump hair, I don't think he really wants to boss people around. Yeah, your hair is – it's like if Donald Trump, the young tr- Donald Trump, if you got a brown hair, it would look kind of like you. Um, you don't like being the boss. Like you don't really want to tell everybody what to do. I do not. All right. So I, I don't telling people what to do. And, but I'm the same. But we're the same. Like so I'm the same there. But I think you do a better job of actually telling people how to do what you need them to do on the first part of it. And then if they don't do it, you're really annoyed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to tell you exactly. I'm going to tell you what the objective is. I'm not going to tell you how to do it because you may have a different way. Now, if you ask me for help, I'll tell you exactly how I'll do it or how I would do it. But if they don't do it and I have to come and tell them how to do it, mm-hmm. I'm annoyed. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not annoyed that I got to tell them unless they don't do it. Right. Yeah. So, or if they don't ask for help. So and this is, and again, I like to think I'm a I'm a rather approachable person. And I know you do too. You're like, I'm, I'm approachable. And I think we are, but but our team might not think that. So it, there are two different things there. One is, you know, do, do you care about the outcomes or do you care about the process or do you care about both? So Josh, what I heard you saying is like, I care about the outcome. I don't care how you do it. Mm-hmm. I can show you my way of doing it. If you can do it a, a way that feels more comfortable to you or is better for you, by all means. But for you, Chad, I heard you say, I want, I want things done this way. It's probably the nature of your industry. Things have to be done a certain way in the tax industry. Kind of, but I've also done it wrong for 20 years, and I figured out how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And I want to save you that learning curve of right. doing it wrong a thousand different ways. So, right. So you're explaining your process and why it works, and then mm-hmm. hopefully the outcome is the same. And also, I hear what you guys said. You said, well, I, I want them to ask me for you know, guidance on how to do it. But then I also heard... I don't like them asking me for, you know, <laughs> to tell me how to do it because I don't want to micromanage. That's so cool with your rubber band so, example, too, because if Chad ever gets asked for help, he actually shoots people with a rubber band. So, like, you, you can't be annoyed if they ask for help and you can't be annoyed if they don't ask for help because then you're just an annoyed person. I'm starting to see how our people get set up for failure here. 
<laughs> so how do we fix this? Yeah. What do we, obviously, this we don't have the greatest system in the world, and we're not the best at. We're better than we've ever been at building managers and leaders, but man, we've cycled through and screwed a lot of opportunity and people up along the way. How do we get better at this? How do we fix this? That's actually what we're really good at. We're really good at screwing people up. We have a track record. I mean, I don't know if many people can can compete with us on that. I agree with that. That's good, yeah. Well, so, I mean, the first step is always to think intentionally about it, okay? So as long as you're thinking, for a long time in the literature, it was nothing but think intentionally about your culture, 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 culture. I used to, Amy and I joke about this. If it was a drinking game, we'd all be very drunk because if you drink every time you hear the word culture, it's it's a lot. Um, right now, that game is over. The new game is process, right? Process, yep. process, process. You want to make sure your processes are streamlined. And one of the things you want to streamline is your process of training managers. You have to have great managers. You have to train them. You have to give them the resources they need to feel comfortable leading people below them. And maybe more importantly, leading up to the supervisors that supervise them. Because all of a sudden, they're not going to be direct reports anymore. They're going to be supervisors. They're going to be peers. And they're going to be managing up to the founder owner of the company. And they're going to be that that link between the founder owner and the trench workers. So they're very, very important. And also, typically, when you get to that level of management, you're at a season in your career where a lot of things are changing, like new managers and managers who've been around people leaders for four, five, six years. They've got some age on them. They might be getting married. They might be buying a house. They might be having kids. They might be, um, if they've been with your company that whole time, they might be getting that like four-year company itch. And so this is uh, the most important layer in your organization, and it's the highest flight risk. Mm. So taking thinking intentionally, what are we going to do, number one, to retain these people? Number two, what are we going to do to equip them to manage the people below them? Not necessarily the way we manage them, because we might not be doing it right, but how can we help them step into their own leadership identi- identity and brand of management that's consistent with this, with this business and our core values so that they can bring in new trench workers and replace themselves? And that is, the, that is what a great manager is, the person who can walk out of the building one day and never come back and it's a self-sustaining department or company. All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second because mm-hmm. as a founder and entrepreneur, I think this is a mindset that's easy for us to go to. I'm like, all right, now I've got this manager and this employee that really d- doesn't know a whole lot about the business or what we've been through over the last 20 years. And now I'm bringing in somebody to train them that don't know anything about my business. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my mind, I'm like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You're talking about outs- like training, getting yeah. like training from yeah. outside the Say, company. Oh, well, I don't know how to train. I've never been trained. I don't know how to train my oh, managers, yeah. so i got to outsource the training. Yeah. Okay. So now i got two people that don't know anything about my company figuring out how to run yeah. my company. This is a challenge. Yeah, and so and it, you're, as you're saying that, too, I think part of it for me is even though it has, has we're wired, Chad really likes figuring out how things work. Right? You're like, oh, mm-hmm. I like. He wants to know every part of the organization. He's like, oh, how's that work? I'm like, you don't need to need to know how that works. Like, doesn't ever apply to you. He still wants to figure it out. We do butt heads there. Yeah. I'm like, like, I don't know how to work. Shut up and go away. Don't worry like, about it. We got somebody to do that. I'm like, yeah, but we're good. What if they leave? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know how to do all the stuff. I'm like, okay, great. I I think even with hiring these people and all this stuff, and then talks about the training, like, I wore my mentors out. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Josh is calling again. Like, for asking for help. I'm like, hey, what about this? What about this? What about, like, I'm trying to, and same thing for you, and whether you were talking to people or talking. Mm-hmm to or reading books to try to obtain the knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I agree with what Chad, Chad's question is like, all right, well, if I don't really, if I'm maybe part of my skill set isn't in training someone on how to lead or how to think about our processes. 
So how do I get from, if I'm not good at teaching it, mm-hmm. but it's like, I got to invest in training this, but I got to bring somebody in from outside. That's a good trainer, but I don't know what the heck we do in our company. Like, yeah, what's how does that work? How do you build? That systems doesn't seem like the recipe for success either. Well, that's that's actually a really good question because I mean, what one thing, and I see the first stop I see a lot of company owners and managers take when they're trying to develop their second layer is, well, we'll send them to a John Maxwell class, or we'll send them to a Dale Carnegie training, mm-hmm. or we'll send them off to this, or we'll send them, we'll pay for this professional development boot camp, and so and sometimes the managers will come to the owners or or the person in charge in the company and say, hey, there's this program I want to participate in. Will you pay for it? So you have your managers going off to this course and that course or reading this book or that book on their own um, guidance. And so, but what do you then have as managers who think differently about leadership because they've all read different things and been involved in different programs? And so that outside influence into your managers can actually be more conflicting because they're not seeing uh, management philosophy and leadership through the same lens. And so they might start to approach problems differently. So does a company or, or an organization need to have a system for leadership development or uh, even again like you're saying it's like hey if you're getting it from Maxwell or you're getting from from Carnegie mm-hmm. you may have two different mindsets for leadership right but one guy's got this one one guy's got this one should a company have it the same like if I'm sending one guy to Carnegie should everybody get a Carnegie like yeah what's I, the thought on that I like I like leadership teams that are all that are all seeing the the work of management and leadership through the same lens okay so like reading the same book reading the same book in the same Going to the same classes. or courses or conferences. Mm-hmm. And using the same process to performance manage. Um, so is that my responsibility as the owner or is that my responsibility to hire somebody to handle? So if you want to do it in-house, um, you can either do it yourself or you can ask one of these managers on this leadership team to do it. And the first step, something so easy is like, let's just start a book club. We're going to read a book every okay. quarter. And after, you know, two or three years, you've read a lot of books that are really helpful and everyone's using the same language and the same vocabulary to approach problems. It's getting that vocabulary where everyone knows what this word means. So, for example, in some of my companies, I hear somebody will pipe up and say, hey, radical candor, blah, da, 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 da. And it's because everyone's read that book and they all know what that means and they know that with that preface – some constructive criticism is going to come out and it's not intended to be hurtful or anything like that, but they are all on the same page with what that means. Um, so that language is really important and you only get common vocabulary if people are reading common materials, watching common videos, and you can pick that in house or you can have, you can take turns. Everyone picks a book every quarter. Um, and then you make a reading list and that's just something that your, your company does. I love that by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start using that. I'm like Chad. <laughs> Radical <laughs> candor. I'm gonna veto this right now. You need to put a hat on today. Standpoint. You gotta wear a hat today. I mean, you know, it's just like that's funny. I'm gonna say that with the, with the kill when I get home. Hey, radical candor here, honey. So, <laughs> so, in a lot of what you do on mid-level management training or coaching, is it is is your time and expertise focused around? teaching the owner founder to teach these things or is it to come in and let the owner founder go do something else and you teach these things that is such a great question because it depends on the owner founder okay usually what i what i people come to me as owner founders and they say my people need something <laughs> i don't want to be a part of it and usually i'm like well or i need new people <laughs> Jen, i need my new people, people. my people need new jobs what they need and i'm like well you know this is a thing i can design you, we can come in and we can do a custom leadership academy for you guys which i can explain what that is in a minute but you're you you're going to have to go through it too because it's not going to stick that makes first, sense to me yeah. yeah first or with your team 
So that's another really great question that we have to navigate within each one-on-one instance. So usually founder owners, you know, they're entrepreneurial, they want to move fast, they want it all done right away. So in those instances, they'll go through it with the team. But in other cases, founder owners are like, I don't want to take these classes with the people who report to me because I want to be able to talk about problems that wouldn't be appropriate to share in the same classroom as them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, one, for an example, what we've done before is we've done, you know, if we create a leadership academy, maybe we're going like a four-hour seminar once a month for six months. So the from 8 to 12 that day, we will do the class with the leader, the owner, and the leadership team. And then for the next four hours of the day, we will turn around and deliver it to the next layer of okay. managers so they want to deliver it to. you're the audience. Right? Hey, different both, level of conversation yeah. here than there's here. Same subject matter, but different application, maybe from session the morning session to the afternoon session. Mm-hmm. And it is helpful because sometimes the leaders can raise their hand and say, hey, look, if you talk about it this way, it's going to be a trigger because this event happened seven years ago in the company. Oh, that's good. So, by the way, Alex in the next meeting yeah. is going to get triggered by this. I like that. We don't so, have Alex to work so that us, makes sense to me that you really got to train both sides of it because I recognize as also as just an owner that never had any training, never worked anywhere else. We just figured it out. I don't know when the management team, when are they properly trained? When are they not trained? How much do I give them? Do I give them so much where they start screwing 20% of it up and then I know not to give them anymore? Or do I wait till it's perfect and give them more? Or do I give them everything? So I feel like that both sides of that training is really integral or would be in my case to know like, all right, I've got to, we've built a layer of a management team and a mid-level, but as an owner, I don't know when to give them responsibility, when not to, when's too much, what's too much failure, what's not enough challenge. So I assume all those things come into play during that dual coaching process. Well, I think if, if you're trying to figure out what more, what capacity they have left, it's really just to ask them um, and that to challenge. like a simple okay, novel idea. No, no, no. I want to I wanna <laughs> drill down on that. What does that sense. mean? Because it, it, mm-hmm. it may, I guess, add Yeah, some that's a good question because they answer from their side because they want. I just don't know if they know. So you don't know they're what you don't know. That's, yes. Right? Yes. So they're like, well, this is how long I think this should take me. And if I'm like, that'll never work. So sometimes they need to be pushed to. Like, I challenge you to take this on as well. I challenge you to get this done within the, by the end of the week. Um, and But even that language, I want to challenge you to own this part of the process and to make it better. Even that that vocabulary right there is something that comes out of a training session. Okay. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so I want to challenge you to do this, and then they're not um, taken aback by you saying that. They expecting you to say that because, and that's what we came up with in our training. Created that expectation. Yeah. By the way, your leader is going to ask you X, Y, Z on a consistent basis. So mm-hmm. if you call an appointment with you on Friday afternoon, be prepared. This is what it, you know. He's going to ask you these three questions or give this challenge. Don't call an employee at three thirty on a Friday afternoon. They're going to think they're getting fired. <laughs> Do it. Or what she just told us, Chad, is that we can, we have tremendous power on Friday afternoons. You can Absolutely. scare the bejesus out of an employee by saying, I want to see you real quick at 4 p.m. <laughs> That's so good. I'll subscribe like a phone service like Grasshopper. Oh, call everybody at 3.30 this. on Fridays every week. I'm going to call them and be like, hey, by the way, you're not getting fired, but you're hey, working just, overtime. Hey, just want to wish you uh, have a happy weekend. It's like, about school, it's like when the school calls and they're like, everything is okay, yeah, Dr. Cannon, but blah, blah, blah. You're not fired, but there's some things you need to talk about. Yeah, it sounds like it's a great opportunity for like for uh, criticism. 
Because yeah. you know, they're just grateful that you didn't fire them. That's they can right. tell them whatever. <laughs> you know, candor, whatever that candor thing was again. I've already forgotten it now. But. So, so, but you back to a question you asked, Chad. Is like, do you come in and teach it, or do you teach me to teach it? And that's a good question. So, what we've been doing lately is, you know, at Lion Leadership, we don't want to be in your company forever. We don't want to be. In some companies, we do. We deliver like we do the curriculum during the spring and then they send another cohort through during the fall and they do that every single year because these are large-scale enterprise companies who have the budget for that and they want it taught and delivered the same way every time Um, but in other companies we go in and we do the first we'll do the first um, and usually we set it up if you have five leadership competencies then we have five seminars once a month for five months or one seminar a month for five months in a row and we address all the leadership competencies but then at the end we turn over all of our materials and we have two days of train the trainer and so the people who've come through that programming that are nominated or who want to continue to be the trainer we teach them how to deliver the curriculum themselves and they do the curriculum for the next cohort so it's self-sustaining internally that makes sense and if you know you got to teach it eventually you're probably going to learn it on a much higher level mm-hmm. than you would otherwise. All right. So I've got a question for you on that. How does that process, let's say, you know, your company hires an outside leadership development company to come in and do some things like that. And then you got your, your, your trainers. How does that reciprocate? I say reciprocate. That's not the right word. How does that, the ripple effect of that to carry on as your organization grows? Do you just need to be like, all right, at a certain point worth to bring in an outside consultant or outside leadership development company again, or is and part of that training, it's created like, this is how this thing's going to replicate. That was the word I was looking for. It's self throughout your organization. Mm-hmm. Well, it depends on how large the company is, too, and how quickly you're replicating the, the seminars. So if you have a cohort coming through every spring and every fall, you know, you you can go through a couple of series before you bring the external consultant back in for a booster. And I would say every like two or three years, you might want to bring the external consultant back in for a booster and they can exchange out some of the, we build these in modules. So we can exchange modules in and out depending on what the company is struggling with or what the company wants to get better at or whether there's a new book out there in the literature that's worth incorporating or some new activities that are able to do. So for example, I mean, now we have these virtual learning environments, is it going to be virtual? Is it going to be in person? Those are two completely different leadership academies, right? Um, But there are always different ways to freshen up a leadership. Sometimes companies rebrand, and so all the training materials need a rebrand and a refresh. Sometimes companies will adopt new values, and so we have to go back through and, you know, make sure all the values are up to date and that the curriculum is in line with those values. And then sometimes in companies, a new, um, you know, either it's sold or it's merged or, a new COO comes in and they want to change one of the leadership competencies to include something or to exclude something. Can you give something. us an example of that? So, um, so for example, let's say you have company A and company B and they're about to merge. Okay, Both have very strong cultures. They have their um, what, how, why statement or purpose statement. They have their core values. Let's say company A has four core values and company B has four core values, but they ain't the same. So what are you going to do? You're going to have eight core values? You know, yeah. um, or are you all going to come together? Or the leadership team is going to come together and say, okay, what does it look like when we blend? What are five core values that we can have together? And then if you have a leadership training program for one of those companies, well, you got to get revamped because it's got, there's a new, mm-hmm. there's, there's more information that it's got added. We got to reformat some things. Okay. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I want to back up for a second. And a lot of our audience is on a smaller level of a stage right now of an entrepreneur and let's let's use my world as an example of let's say I have a small tax office mm-hmm. and I've got three employees. I'm like we're growing. 
I feel like I want to build a scalable model and I want to have layers of management, but there's only four of us. Do I go try to hire somebody that's got management experience? Do I try to take somebody internally and make them a manager? What's the first steps in a smaller organization of building that layer, that first layer? Do you do you go put an ad out for managers? Do you just do you have to train that? What what do I do? That's so that's a good question, and it's actually a timely question because that answer, my answer has changed across the last year. Ooh, interesting. Okay. Right now, finding great management talent is impossible. If you're a good manager, are you out there managing your own stuff? Is that why it's so hard to find? And um, the job market is so competitive. Well, I want to. So mm-hmm. I want to dive into that answer. Why is it? Why is it the case? Because I don't think I don't see it changing. What mm-hmm. you just said. Yeah. But why is that the case? How come it's hard for me to go find a good manager and bring them onto my team right now? So, and I'll say, so there's just, there's so much competition for small business owners, okay? Because a great manager can go work for an enterprise company, making okay. triple You're what saying, you can oh, offer. Maybe we, calls we Amazon. can't pay them what they can get somewhere else. Okay. It's a money compensation side. Compensation issue, a okay. ability to be flexible and work remote issue. It's, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, and an opportunity issue. I want you to work issue. 50 hours my way in my location for less pay. Yeah, that's kind of a hard thing. Okay, so you're saying right now in the job market. Job market's too hot. There too are fat. too many big companies that can that can Walmart you. You mm-hmm. know, Walmart, mom and pop stores, Walmart just, just annihilated all of them because they just they couldn't compete, right? They had too much bandwidth, and they could provide better opportunities. They could provide better prices. So you're saying that's the same thing with the job market right now. The reason that small businesses may be struggling is because the conglomerates mm-hmm. are able to throw more benefits. And I mean, this is definitely a true. Like, absolutely. Somebody, if I'm trying to recruit somebody from the University of Georgia, and they start talking about benefit benefit program. Mm-hmm. I can't compete with the government. Mm-hmm. I keep, you know, what I'm saying it's like yeah. it's, it, it just it does. That's the challenge. Okay, so that's a really good answer. So what the heck do we have to do? Right. To so fix that? the way that you fix that is you grow your own. Okay. You okay. Grow your so own I can't leaders. necessarily like go out and get a leader. Mm-hmm. I got to get somebody. And develop them as a leader, mm-hmm. which is smart. It seems like to me because they already know the business. They Sounds like a business. good time to begin but the leadership development. The, probably business. the biggest place Josh time. and I have screwed up <laughs> over the years. Don't take me down with you. Buddy. I don't know if I. Yeah, screwed that's up right. You're right here with me, <laughs> um, co-host. Uh, one of the biggest places we have struggled is we took employees or people on one level of staffing force and tried to make them a manager mm-hmm. and said, hey, we, we want to do second. that internally. Hold on a and second. We didn't make them. We didn't, we didn't develop them as a leader. We just gave them more responsibilities. We chose the Josh Melton model of like, hey, man, you want more? Roll with it, baby. Here's the rate. Take the Here's keys. Here's the keys and another car. $5 an hour yeah. and have at it. Yeah. So maybe that was the problem. So, so you can blame me. It depends on the employee. Some employees, and it is true, um, being, you know, you can be a great widget maker, what I say, or accountant or tax person sure. or farm table maker or whatever. That doesn't mean you're going to be a great manager, you know, because a lot of times companies make the mistake. They're like, you're so good at doing taxes. You should manage other people doing taxes and teach them how to do it your way. And then we'll be more profitable. And they do a horrible job because they just, the job of management is completely then different. Then they leave and I got no manager or no good tax person. Yeah, so now you're well, good. Well, well, you're you're good tax person's a terrible manager. You ran off all your other tax people. And now this guy's going to quit too because he feels like a failure. So you need people who want to be into management, in management. You want you need people who want to teach. You need people who have the who value developing other people. And, All right, but and, you got to spotlight those people too, right? Because, again, what I would say, this goes back to the capacity question earlier, saying, like, asking somebody what their capacity is, and they are telling you. Like, they don't, they may not know. In the same way that somebody may want to be a manager, and you're like, 
this again, this is what we've done too. Because everybody we elevated, Natasha, as far as in the position, we didn't elevate them against their will. They didn't say like, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. They all said that they wanted it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, well, you want more? We'll give you more. But they weren't prepared. And I, and honestly, I would say for the, some of the people, I would say, hey, I screwed that one up. And honestly, the thing I said earlier about the keys, I'm like, hey, I should have been a better leader in that situation. There's other ones that I'm like, I just put the wrong person. Like they said yes. And I said, okay. And they never should have been eligible for that seat. So how do you even determine so uh, one thing is if you're going to promote someone into management, you have to understand they can't continue to be the exact same doer they were, and then they just tack on an extra 10% for management because then they're working 110%. It doesn't work. you got to take away some of their... I could be guilty of that. Yeah, everyone is. I mean, it's a really common problem. It's like, well, we want you to manage the department now, but we don't want you to stop doing anything you're doing. <laughs> I still need you to Ma- do the work you're doing. Managers are managers. <laughs> they're not doers. You have to understand that. Like, when that happens, the job changes. Do we do that? Because that's what... Everyone, we had to do? No, every, everyone does makes this mistake well, at some you point. Can't also, you can't, most of the time, somebody can't afford it. Like, I can't, in the smaller levels, obviously, the levels that Chad and I would be at this point with companies, we can afford to hire full-time people, and if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. We're, we're not, like, screwed and stuff. Mm-hmm. But on the front end of it, I'm like, you, you're spinning plates. You're just adding another plate to somebody's. Like, you can't completely remove them from the doing part. For a lot of smaller companies, you got five people, mm-hmm. you know, you just don't have the revenue to be like, all right, now only am I going to, have this guy not do any of the exec- executing things he was doing before. I'm going to pay more to be in a position. You say executing, a.k.a. billables. Yeah, like yeah. this dude's making me money. I'm about to move him into a role where he doesn't make me any money, theoretically, mm-hmm. directly. And I'm going to hire another person. i got to pay this guy more to not do anything, like as far as this part of it goes. And i got to pay somebody the same thing I was paying him to bring him in. Like it just, it, we, we tack onto them for sure. And I got to pay for a training program. <laughs> I mean, you're thinking the same thing that every other small business yeah. owner yeah. across the nation is thinking, Our so. listeners going, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, Dr. Gannon, what's your, what, what you got to say to that? Well, two things, right? Yeah. Like number one, you're in good company. Anyone, <laughs> anyone who's going through this mental calculus is like going through the mental calculus because they're trying to make sure they keep their doors open <laughs> and they don't get out over their skis. So of course, but two, two different mindsets about this. One is that, the mindset is always like, you, oh, you have to pay your manager more than you pay your doer. That's not true. And hmm. well, I know, right? that. If yeah, you elevate them from sense. the doer spot, though, mm-hmm. do you think people are going to take a pay decrease? Maybe. I'd pay, I'd take a pay decrease Would to you? work Maybe less. not a pay decrease, but you don't have less to change stress, your pay. Okay, work. so they could stay the same? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you pay That's people to be managers. I mean, I thought about that. You, you think with a role change or more title responsibility yeah. means more money. If but that somebody to wants the case. to be a manager instead of a tax preparer. And that keeps us as owners from putting more layers of pressure and work on them because we're financially trying to make it work to pay them more. So they can move up in the hierarchy. Like if you're looking at work chart, they can move up in the hierarchy without moving up in pay. I mean, it can be a lateral move in terms of pay because it's a, just it's a different job. So for example, I have one company I'm working with right now and they, they wanted managers. They can't get the managers that you can get because they're all being Walmarted, like you said. So what they started doing is hiring moms who are returning to the workforce after being out having kids and why they're doing this is because moms are super organized moms are super relational and moms are super good at like um what's the right word um herding cats yeah so they actually make great managers even though they don't know the industry that well they learn the industry and they just take care of the management position and no they're not paid as much as the seasoned you know tax professional or whatever at the high rate that they get paid to be doing that sort of work well, and that's, but you're talking there about bringing somebody in from the outside, mm-hmm. right? That's what, if I feel like, if I tell Chad, hey, dude, you're doing a phenomenal job and I want to promote you to a management position, what's the first question he's going to ask me? 
are you going to pay me? <laughs> How much more am I getting paid? Man, so that sounds like a lot more work. Yeah. So I guess that, that I guess in the new world we're in, though, that can we can turn and say, hey, your, the pay's not going to increase, but your responsibilities are going to drastically change. All the stuff you were doing, you're not going to have to do that anymore. You're doing, you're helping other people do that now. Well, what you said was right. Like the pay might not increase, but the responsibilities are going to change. They're yeah. not going to increase. You might even be able to okay. decrease your hours. If you need to work less hours or have a more flexible schedule, maybe we can increase you to turn you to a a manager. It changes the mindset of like, as an owner for me of, let's say somebody's really great, but they want to work less hours. And I'm like, I don't know how to make that work. Mm -hmm. But if I can like give them more responsibility or make them a manager, they can work less hours and it doesn't mean more pay or higher pay. That's a... That's I can a place see it I now, Natasha. The wheels are out. spinning. Man. Chad's head. Nobody. Oh, I'm will. thinking about a month ago with Justin. I'm like, dang, dude, we 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 handled this the wrong way. That's what I'm thinking. I'm saying with Chad, it's like <laughs> he's like nobody will ever make more money working for him anymore. He's just like, hey, it's a man. Listen, it's just a different position. Great. Never I'm going to walk out of here, and every manager in the city is going to be waiting at the door to like bow and arrow. I'm pretty me. sure Justin cut your mic off like ten minutes <laughs> so, ago. So the second mindset that is worth talking about before I get myself completely in hot water is um, you business know, owners it, are loving you right now. It's Natasha. an investment. This is amazing. Well, business owners think of it as, as an expense. Stop. It's an investment. So you take $100,000 and you put it into... It's an investment if it works. Hold on. But think about it. Think about it. You put $100,000 into the stock market right now. Uh Over a year, you might make what? One ten. Ten then. Ten, ten percent. You might. So you might Might. get it. You might get an extra $10,000 for that $1,000. Stock market ain't going to quit on me though and go work for my competitor. (laughs) Listen, you take $100,000, you put it into a manager. Uh Uh-huh. You think that manager is going to make you ten thousand dollars, or you think they're going to make you more? I expect them to make me three hundred. That's what. So it's an. So you're. So you're not going to spend a hundred thousand dollars to get three hundred thousand dollars. I am. Yes, I should be. See, I see where you're it's going. Not an here. expense. And it's now an every investment. financial advisor just quit listening to the episode. They're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but I feel your like as this is interesting as a business owner because this is what I love and what we do and. I believe there's so much more risk in spending $100,000 on a manager than there is putting $100,000 in the stock market. I, from my perspective, that is foolish. Well, I think now that we're talking through this, because you I'm control that person, saying this out loud, I think you, you're correct. Well, I guess when you say a, you control that person, you're definitely speaking Chad's love language. Then you're I can, like, I can. Perfect. This is I can only. This is only a good investment if I can. No risk equals no reward. All right, Justin's sending me messages over here. Um, hey, it's a different risk fair, reward. Fair enough. Right. I think for now it. Justin's asked for a pay raise is what I just turned <laughs> on there. Auto-correcting. No, these yeah. are the two mindsets you have to grapple with. The idea that, number one, you can hire someone into management, change their duties, pay them the same, but they get to do work that they love, and they get a new challenge that gives them a lot more creative autonomy. Or think of hiring that if you just bring in an extra person that costs $100,000, if that person doesn't make you at least $1,000, Something is horribly wrong. That's not going to happen. They're going to make you more than ten thousand dollars. It's a better mm-hmm. investment than putting it in the stock market. All right, so not an expense. It all right. So I invest a hundred thousand dollars in a manager, and numbers say if I invest a hundred thousand dollars in an employee or a team member, it should bring back at least two hundred mm-hmm. or maybe three hundred over the next. Uh, it's going to take time fact, to build up. In fact, I'm going to pay a hundred thousand dollars to get you an extra person. I'm going <laughs> to take the profit. All right, that's all right. That's, You're risking your hundred thousand dollars. That's, that's like an this. interesting model there. That's actually yeah, I like this. Man, we may have something there altogether. A whole different business model, <laughs> but that only works if I can 
build $200,000 more of business and revenue, mm-hmm. and they can handle it. Mm-hmm. And probably the biggest fear as an entrepreneur and an owner is you're putting your eggs in one basket somewhat because if it doesn't work, now i got to pick up all of these pieces, and I'm barely hanging on as it is. So I want to. All right, I want to. Yeah. This, this is a, a small pivot here, but I want to ask a question on this because this is more right. You don't agree. Life. I, She's gonna. I have you counter arguments in my head that I'm keeping because Josh. I yeah. wanted to hear what Josh. Is Josh is I can see like the glare in her eyes. I'm, like, I'm just. I'm tired. Of this, I'm just tired of this being about you, Chad. I heard like the lion growl. Over there. You're the. <laughs> you're the co-host, and you're trying to command all the attention right now. It's bothering me. I'm just trying to fix all my problems in an hour. The clock's know, ticking, dude. But so I, I want to. I want to focus on in real life. This is vulnerability from the standpoint of like where Chad would find himself. I have no problem making Chad vulnerable in the podcast. It's fun. And then from the standpoint of the cleaning company as well, where we're at, because I think there, there are two different levels based on the style of business that we are. So Chad is everybody that works at the tax shelter for the most part, or at least the majority are full-time staff. Mm-hmm. He's got some part-time mm-hmm. staff, mostly full-time. The cleaning company is the opposite, mostly part-time. And then we have some full-time people. And so in your business model, Chad's business model, he is still like, has been largely the hub. Like he's like kind of managing everybody up until recent times, and that's where you're making. He's making the adjustment of like trying to elevate beyond and ha- and build that middle middle management ground for the cleaning company. We've been there, and we're trying to like scale it even further. So now it's like we we got the first level of middle management. So I don't. There's people that work for us. Chad doesn't know. He probably knows three people that work for Athens Cleaning Company, and they're all in the room. There's a bunch that I don't know because we've got enough. There's man like they have supervisors and managers that they deal with, and so I've never met half of our team from the business where we're at. But we're starting to get to that like, all right, we're adding second levels of management in it. So like the the man, I currently work with all of our managers directly in one shape or form, and we're trying to elevate to where I'm not, and we're just kind of like bouncing back and forth. And so we've had it where it's like, oh, let me step away, and it's oh, let me come back in. So I'm doing that yo-yo a little mm-hmm. bit of that, and you are too. It's just in different. You know, it's different because I'm trying to build the second level of mine because my business model is different. He's still working to really build the first level where he's insulated from having to be chief problem solver. Yeah. And getting those first people that are like, you are the leaders, you are training, you are managing. That's mm-hmm. kind of where you're at, right? I'm not like outing you to the whole podcast. No, world, you are. That's definitely right. And I'm thinking right here as we're thinking through it, I'm like, man, I got to spend $100,000 on a manager that's not doing anybody's taxes. They're not driving any revenue. Mm. My people already feel like they work too much. So how is my manager going to get more work out of my people that feel like they work too much? I got one for you. What Uh, if that manager that you hire for $100,000 takes enough off your plate? Are you going to make $10,000 more for your company because you're freed up? Possibly. Are you going to make much more than that because you're freed up? Probably. Okay. Yes. Okay. Or if I'm not, it's worth that or more for the ten thousand dollars worth of freedom or flexibility. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, the only reason you make the investment is to make more money or to make your life better, right? So, like, if you're investing that hundred thousand, you're under belief like this is going to help catapult me to the next level. Mm-hmm. So, why do we have such a hard time spending that hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. Well, number one, people see it as an expense, and number two, they're looking at their balance sheet, going, "I don't know where it's going to come from." Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. I'm, um, I'm spending money I hadn't made yet, well, but there's one. I'm spending all my profit for this yes. year. That's right. I'm gambling it all oh, on right. this manager working out yeah. when I don't even know how to train a manager. Yeah, <laughs> I'm asking them to do something. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't like, even know how to. Or do. I'm not good at. Yeah. Oh, you, right? believe me, lots of company owners call someone in and say. I am not doing a good job with this. Well, in the EOS language, I'm a visionary. I need an implementer. I'm doing a very bad job as an implementer because we know they're not the same person. I need you to come in and be the implementer. 
And if you get the right person, they're going to come in and do just that. People struggle. So people struggle with getting that implementer in so that they, their company can go to the next level because of the expense, because they're worried about the dollars, they're worried if it's going to fail. But one thing's for sure, you're not going to get to the next level without it, period. So you might as well go ahead and start trying. That's a key statement right there. If you, I, you're going to stay exactly where you are. There is no way I don't get to the next level. There. So the question so comes not, down, not a choice. do you want to scale and grow or not? Yes. Because if you yes. do, shut up and spend the hundred well, grand. If you don't, keep doing what the heck you're doing now. We could take some time to talk about how to interview wisely and make sure you get the right person in. Well, yeah, that's probably another piece of it. Okay. Where probably from that entrepreneur side, we want to just make it happen real fast. All right. Which doesn't work, which is probably why there's been a failure rate, which is why we're hesitant to spend the hundred grand. By the way, I don't want to be that. Why aren't we saying a hundred grand? Why don't we say fifty? Most of fifty. Most of the people listening, they also suck at this. Percentages with a hundred. That's why I say a hundred. Okay. Yeah, it's like you know what ten percent of a hundred is. Good round math doing that. All right, I got a question for you. We're 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 getting to the. Chad, the plane is circling the runway right now, buddy. We're getting ready Man, I, to land the plane. My plane is like out of fuel and a long Your way from the runway. Your plane crashed about right ten minutes ago. That's why I had to take over like complete hosting duties with no sidekick this time. Uh, just kidding. I have a question that's a little different. I kind of want to just focus on this kind of to the end here. Training all this crap, getting everybody in the place as the the leaders, the owners. When I, when we get the middle managers like legitimately in place how do we need to be checking in and helping to lead them? Because what we're talking about is like, you're leading the troops. You know, you're, you guys are currently now the sergeants and the lieutenants. And I'm like, you know, a, a colonel or general, yep. how do we need to interact with our leaders to keep them, you know, so we're staying in tune. So we know we're not g- giving them too much rope. Like I would do And traction. I think says like this guy said, well, you gave me just enough rope to hang myself with. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm like, Oh, I'm really good at that. Not giving them too much rope, but we're also not like, all up on them and they're like man i need a better leader than this guy who's all up my back all the time how do we lead our leaders that's a really that's a really great question okay so you're a visionary you get you hire an implementer how do you interact with that implementer so that you're not spinning out worried about what's happening you know what's going on but you're not micromanaging so this is where we get into the process right you need to make sure when that person comes in you have a process in place that works for you that you're comfortable with and that works for them that they're comfortable with so you know even as simple as simple as regular meetings, right? So we're going to meet every Monday for an hour and we're going to talk about, you know, you're going to tell me what you've got on your plate. I'm going to tell you what I've got on my plate. We're going to work through any issues that exist and then we're going to walk away with two to do actions and then we're going to come back again on Monday and do it again. Okay. Um, staying consistent. The number one mistake that visionaries make, company owners make, entrepreneurially minded people make is they, they're not consistent with that one-on-one meeting. But if they stay consistent with it, is going to help the implementer out tremendously. Um, another way to engage with the implementers to make sure that they understand what the mission and the values are. So you have to live them out and you have to show them how you live them out. They have to be buried into all your core processes that they are you know, helping to churn and create. And you have to make sure they understand exactly what you want of them. So if you don't have a scorecard, you don't have numbers that you're tracking weekly, then the implementer is not going to know if they're hitting success marks or not. And you're not going to have a, a system by which you can say, hey, look, I think we need to like drive a little bit deeper here. Or we need to pull back here because this number doesn't look right and this number doesn't look right. Okay. I got a specific question there. So uh-huh. when you had somebody in place that been here for a while, so like it's easy for me and Justin, who we keep mentioning, People don't know he's sitting in the room with us. He's our engineer for this. <laughs> it's totally uncomfortable. I'm sweating too much. Writing notes. <laughs> yeah. He's taking Shoot. notes. He's got guilty. He's silently commenting on stuff. <laughs> right um, 
it's one thing for me and Justin to have those meetings where we have benchmarks and metrics and all the things because when it comes down to it, Justin knows how to do his job already. He's been on, he's been on the team for years. Like it's easy for us to have that consistency and knowing on track. Like we're on track, we're off track, right? But if I'm hiring this person, I'm bringing in the new manager. Well, there's gonna be this season of like I can't hold them to like these metrics where they haven't. You know what I'm saying? They have to have time to come on board and get trained and get developed until they have, there's a season when we can start being more of like. All right, we're, now we're getting more into the results mode. So how does that need to work out? Does that make sense? My question is, if I'm an, if I'm the visionary hiring the integrator, he doesn't know how to run the business yet. He's coming in like he's got to get to learn it. What kind of season of time do you do for that? Or do you have up like, hey, let's create some very small metrics to start and ramp it up? You know, mm-hmm. that's where I think a lot of people have the struggle part of it because they're like, well, I got to bring this person in, and at, at first they're going to offer me ne- negative value. Because you have to pour into them. To I got to pour into them. I got to do my job and their job and train them. Just like if you were working at a restaurant and they're like, hey, congrats, buddy. You got your, you're training this server now. They're not like, yay, awesome. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, my God, this is, I got to drag this loser around with me the whole time. Because you're making their job harder. So I think this is where you're talking about, like, do you spend 100000 or not? I'm like, well, not only am I risking the 100000 Risking time. Risking time. I mean, that's yeah. all this time. If it doesn't work, and I think this is why people don't hire faster. I think this is what. Keeps when do you know when it's not working? When do you know the? Yeah, and when do you? And, and by the way, when the do you most often feel like you need to hire somebody? When it's not working. Well, you're overwhelmed. It ain't working it's the right, right way. Yeah, right. Like, okay, now I got it. So it's not working, or I'm overwhelmed. Now I got to bring somebody in and teach them how to do things I don't know how to do, or I don't have time to teach them. And and then when I do, if I am onboarding them, how do I set them up for success? So from a metric standpoint, so I know if they're winning or not. So I have a couple of thoughts. One is it might be, and you guys can tell me, but it might be a fallacy to think that somebody has this like ramp up steeping time. Like if you are the right person, they should be able to come in and take it from day one. And and sometimes you hire people because you want to be able to tell them what to do. Sometimes you hire people because you want them to tell you what to do. And so, you know, at that level of management, you kind of want someone to come in who's going to figure it out and tell you what needs to be done so that your business can hit the metrics that you already had set. No. I, I like that expectation of, yeah, come it, in. And, but, but, hold, but hold on a second. I'm going to fight back on that one a little bit. Because if, if I'm hiring somebody that's like, yeah, has industry knowledge, mm-hmm. could Chad can't do that. If he, he can't bring somebody in. He can't hire somebody from Athens Cleaning Company to come in and within the first week, they should be able to be operating at an efficiency standpoint. Now, if he's hiring somebody from the from his competitor, then there's a different level to mm-hmm. that. But if, you know, if, if the person that's coming, if somebody's going from, you know, the position of authority at Apple and they're hired as the CEO of JCPenney, like there's going to be still some onboarding. Of, you can't be like day so one. They're, industry they're ready to switches roll. are different. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in, the, in today's competitive market, like most of us as small business owners, it's hard to hire from your competitor mm-hmm. and you don't really start shopping for people that are in Lexington, Kentucky from trying to bring them to Athens. Okay. And so it gets in where I was like, ah, that's where I've been at. Okay, it's like, gotcha. I got to get somebody there outside of my industry because no, honestly, nobody in, nobody in our industry, nobody in our industry for our Athens cleaning does things remotely the way we do it. So there's like this kind of big learning curve because it's different than what they expected or done before. So the, the way to set yourself up for success, right, is to get everything that's out of your head on paper and documented. And so you have to know, you have to think intentionally about how am I going to train this person? Because if you think and if you know exactly what's going to happen on that person's day one, all the way up to their day 21, you know exactly what they're going to learn, especially if you use a software program like Trainual, and especially if you already have your processes set, you know, this is our process, this is efficient, this is the way it's going to be. And you want to train them on that specifically, you know, making sure you have video documentation and paper documentation that they can lean on and use and that you're going over with is important making sure your files are organized on your shares drive or whatever you're using for file sharing because the hardest thing when you're coming on board is to understand the greater picture and the context of where things are and what's a process how do i 
get time off? How do I reimburse receipts? How do I, you know, do something, something, something for travel? Where are the job descriptions? Um, who do we need to hire for? Where's the org chart? What's our process for, you know, onboarding a new customer? What's our process for exporting a customer? Like all of those standard operating processes, you have to know exactly what they are. And you have to be able to tell the new person exactly what they are and what, what you're expecting of them. And most small business owners don't have any of those processes written or documented in any capacity. And so what they're doing is when someone comes on board, they're like, hey, just walk with me for the next three weeks and I'll show you. I'll show you the ropes. And that's just, that, of course, that especially that's what it's going to do when someone's overwhelmed and they just need help. Just follow me and I'll show you. Yeah. But that's not the, the stronger way to do it. The stronger way to do it is to be like, understand I'm going to hire an integrator. Hopefully they'll be with me for life, but they might not. I'm going to have to do this again in four years. So if you just do, instead of doing a one-to-one training program, you imagine doing this one-to-multiple and then you use the same system, it's going to be... It's going to take time. So this is kind of what we did with Stronger, though, right? I mean, we're yeah. like, all right, so we know we need to bring in someone to do work for us, but we also don't know exactly what we need them to do because we don't have all that stuff sorted. Right. And it's a combination of shared knowledge. Chad's got some stuff he's working on. I got some stuff I'm working on. Our team's got stuff they're working on. And so for us, we all we hired a consultant to come in and help us, like, sort it. We, we, yeah. What, what do we do? How do we do it? Get it out. out of our heads on paper and yep. build some stronger processes behind it so the person coming in is set up for success. Yeah. They're, They're not, not sitting there trying to interpret out of our heads what the heck they need to be doing. Yeah, and in that process, too, I think we had a hiccup on this is kind of, you know, the thought process of like, oh, day one, they'll be able to start and execute. And it's like, well, no, they're still, they're still <laughs> going to have to ramp up, yeah. right? But at least, like, the there's a, a potential path to follow in place, and it's not all just, like, follow us around and ask us questions and, like, gather all the knowledge. So would you say that's a good thing for entities to do is they find a company like yours, they they hire a line leadership and they say like, Hey, just, I need to hire somebody. I don't want to screw it up. Is that a wise investment to make? Oh yeah. So cause it's not a hundred thousand then I'm not going to worry about the hundred thousand dollar position. Cause I can actually get, it's going to cost me some money, but I got probably a much better, I'm hedging my bet a lot on that hundred thousand dollar investment. I got a way better opportunity for that hundred to turn it into 300 instead of just trying to gather 10,000 off of it. So, well, two things. One, you know, you can hire a consultant to document all your processes so that the person coming in is set up for success. Or two, you can the person who's coming in, the implementer, can actually document all the processes for you as they're following you around. But that just has to be part of their expectation. Like, we're designing systems and processes. We need you to write them up and execute on them um, by following us around. So you're going to have this one follow-you-around implementer, and then the next one who comes in already has a system for training in place. And that way, that person's already bought into the systems and processes, and they approve of it, and they're more likely to implement it themselves. But a third option, which I think is is probably good in this situation, is to have an interim COO. Uh, you have somebody come in for three months. Oh yeah, that's good. Follows you around, documents all your processes, tightens them up, you know, figures out where the holes are, patches them, hires the people who needs to be hired, fires the people who need to be fired, making sure your performance evaluation systems are working and that everybody is on board with the strategic direction of the company, and then they're in charge of hiring their replacement. That sounds awesome. Where the heck do I find this? <laughs> I got a couple. I got a couple of mine. <laughs> Natasha can do it for you. That's awesome. All right, Natasha, we're coming up on our time. So this is landing the plane, Chad. I don't know if I'm the pilot or co-pilot right now because you keep jumping out of the plane. But when it comes down to if you could give our listeners like one big like takeaway, we call it our max out moment. It's mom for short. Max out moment. It's mom, your mom. Now, if you can give our, our listener, Natasha, like one takeaways like hey if you didn't listen to the episode at all this is but listen to this what would dr natasha gannam's max out moment be 
management is not entirely intuitive. You can't just be a decent person and hope it works out. You really need to listen to external parties pouring into your leadership, you know, identity and training in order to execute on management well. So you can't take just a really good person or a really good personality and expect them to be a good manager. Well, you want to start there. You want Mm -hmm. a really good person with a really good personality. But you, the field of learning and development, you're right, and leadership and management training is a booming industry for a reason. It's because managers need it to be great. You can be, I mean, you can go all day long being average, but if you want to be a great manager, you need some tools and tricks that the pros know. All right, so let me ask you this. As a additional question to that max out moment, if I want to scale my business and I am an owner, founder, am I better off investing in a manager and leadership training for that manager or am I better off investing in management and leadership training for me? Oh my gosh, the manager. Okay. So if I got to choose who who to build the skills with, I need to do with the manager, not myself. You need to be entrepreneuring, okay. envisioning. You don't need to be Man, that getting a, being an expert. Everything manager. we think we're supposed to do, like we gotta. Or for me, I'm like I gotta learn it all, or I gotta like, I gotta know it before I can teach it, or I gotta. You, but this podcast is management training for you guys. It is leadership training for you guys. You have sought out all sorts of training. You've read all the books. You've done all the things. You've poured yourself into executive education. In fact, so you have gotten it because you've had to go get it on your own. The question is now, like, can you give that as a gift to the people coming up behind mm-hmm. you? in a very structured kind of way. That's good. Because we're going to go get it on our own. We're still going to go get it on our own. Mm-hmm. So we'd be better on develop, yeah. giving somebody else a, like, hey, we're going to look, we, you and me are out there looking for our own ladder when it's got rungs in it. We need to give that ladder to somebody else and it's got the rungs already there. I feel yes. like every time so well said, Josh. we have you on this podcast, like you're like shaking me almost being like, quit trying to do it and go freaking hire somebody, Chad. So dude, listen. And, and I'm like, that's a great idea until three weeks later. I'm like, back in the thick of it. Listen, you're going to make more money doing the things you enjoy doing and having other people do things you don't enjoy doing. Full stop. True. I love it. All right. Hey, I, I like I, your backup question or secondary question there was really good because I think that's the, the ultimate max out moment is for the founder out there listening anyway. If you're the ultimate leader is like if you're investing your people first. Like, don't just do it for you. You're going to get it on your own anyway. That's probably how you were able to build I mean, this, this company. This is the one place Invest I was actually folks. able to do that. I'm like, listen, I – for me, the future is I need a co-host. So I need to invest in a partner that can, you know, I can train and we can mm-hmm. deliver those skills too to be able to co-host. So Dude, I get to sit and drink my, drink my Starbucks and be quiet when you ask me. Thank you so much, man. I'll make sure that my team sends your team an invoice for that. <laughs> and uh, with that said, we're out of time. But we, I, I really feel like today we learned a lot about how to help us develop a stronger business. So Dr. Natasha Gannon, thank you so much for being our guest today. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast, then leave us a review and share it with a friend. You can find us online at strongerbusiness.com or check us out on Instagram or Facebook at Stronger Business. We look forward to hearing from you and have a great 2022. He's like, so Natasha, answer this question. How's my hair look today? Fabulous as always. Is that even a question? (laughs) That's what Chad does. Uh.